If you go to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not go to a pub at all. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to buy me Murray, well, I'd say Peroni as well. Welcome back. It's four blades in a pub time. Quick turnaround. We're still very happy. And Saturday night, the blades played Chelsea. And well, there's nothing other to say than wow. I'm John, and I'm joined by Phil. Good evening. Ian. Good evening. And Dan. Good evening, everybody. And what a performance that was on Saturday. I think we were all quietly confident, but I just didn't expect it to unfold quite like that. Phil, was it beyond your wildest dreams? Well, I mean, obviously, I, I called it was going to be a draw last week on our last pod, and, and I mean, after 12 seconds, it didn't feel like it was going to be a draw, did it? With uh, Jack O'Connell bursting into the penalty area and nearly setting up a goal after in, in the first 20 seconds of the game, and he just, we, we never looked troubled, did we, all game? No. no. I, mean, I mean, it's a phenomenal start, and it shows that stats... Their stats, they, they, can, they can be meaningless. You can have all the possession in the world, but the way we defended and put our banks of players in, Chelsea didn't have a clue how to break us down. And then up the other end of the pitch, we'd got Didzy on fire, linking up play, Osborne chasing, harrying, and then McBurney just bullying, bullying their defence. And we were saying last week, their, def- their back line is weak. And it was highlighted, they were easily... Bullied. Do you know what? That first half, I know Wilder made a comment a couple of weeks ago about um, McBurney's performance being like Brian Dean. And uh, all right, it was good. I can't remember what game it was, but I remember thinking he was good. Spurs. Enough. That Spurs, first right. half, which one was it? Spurs game. Spurs. Into Dean. That first half against Chelsea was as good a centre-forward performance as I can remember for United. He yeah. was just outstanding. He absolutely bullied Christiansen. Yeah. I mean, it just shows that the shove in the back. It was all the little things, like you say. Just, just give them a little nudging back. You've had that. Feel that. Yeah. Come on then, do you want some more? And it, it, and it wasn't... And it's not like McBurney is a huge physical lump of a player, is he? It, he's quite... He's quite gangly, if you look quite at Quite gangly, quite scrawny. But he just put himself in all the right places. I wouldn't be surprised, though. He'd be one of them who have all the played against players like that, where they're, they're dead skinny. When they barge into you, they really fucking hurt because they, like you can feel all the bones. Like, we <laughs> like it, it sounds weird. Obviously, my fat usually means that he doesn't bother me too much, but he, he's just such an awkward bugger. And I was sat in the pub, and the, one of my mates were out. We was having a beer, and he's a Wednesday fan. And I was saying before match, right, I genuinely believe we've got a right player in McBurney. He's going to get better and better. And I know we don't always go on about like. Uh, XG and stuff on here, we try to avoid it, but McBurney's stats put him in the same bracket in terms of chances and converted to people like Martial and stuff, there was something in the week. He's right in a bracket with very, very expensive, very good company in terms of like how well he's playing. And that, think, goal on, that goal on Saturday weren't an easy finish. I mean, I know, yeah. I know we got a lot of space to, to pick his spot, but it was a great header to get it where he did. 
And it was just so good to see after some people maybe suggesting that he, uh, excuse me, a need upgrading. Ender just whipping that ball in as well as we know he can. And it, oh, it just all came together. The things we talked about the other day, the, the triangles on each side of the pitch were, were evident. And I think the first goal, apart from obviously we're going to talk about him a lot tonight, the goal that scoring was brilliant. We all did wonder if it was offside. I know I did. But I did. It, what I liked about it is it came from left round to right. And the bit that where it all came from, which could have uh, amounted to nothing, was just Berger winning the ball back and then just being completely relaxed to play it down the right channel. You'll just keep the move going. Whereas a less quality player might have been a bit hurried and harried in that situation. And he, oh, when that went in, I was just so, I was just so bloody happy for him. So happy for him. I, I, I genuinely, I could have cried. I, I was that happy. I, I honestly could have cried for him. They were actually smiling before he scored, weren't they? Which I thought yeah. was brilliant. Before he put it in, he got a big grin on his face. Do you, know, do you know the thing that made me happy as well? And I think I said this a few weeks ago on, on the pod before uh, before lockdown. What I didn't want were his first his first Premier League goal to come. You know, if he scored if he if he had scored at Old Trafford or at St James's Park in the last minute and made it three one, and it's a nothing goal. I'm glad that his, his first goal actually meant something and, and weren't just consolation goals or weren't just the you know the, the fourth in a four nil win or something. They, they were actually crucial goals at crucial times. Absolutely, and you only have to look at the reaction of the players when he scored both goals, and particularly the second one, the most telling one if you watch, is O'Connell comes over and he's absolutely beaming. Now, we've had Jack for four years, but if you look at all our celebrations in that time, apart from when he scored, he's not one who's in amongst players. He's often just casually jogging over at back and he comes charging in at the goals, and he's got more bloody teeth on show than... Well, I don't know. He's grinning Shergar. from ear to ear. He's, he's grinning from ear to ear, and and all the all the stuff on social media afterwards, and the way Wilder spoke about him shows how much everyone in that club wanted him to score those goals on Saturday. And we sat we sat here again, and it's tell you what, talk, talking we've been about there. talking about Jack O'Connell, how good was he on Saturday again? Him and Egan frightening. between frightening. We just look. I mean, we said it last week. We're a better side with O'Connell in it, but. I mean, you know what he gives you going forward and, and, and it's been highlighted so many times. But, I mean, the, the United have, have tweeted something today with him breaking into the box, going round the outside of one player and then cutting yeah. in onto his right foot and putting it across with his right. He's just, he's yeah. such a good footballer. We're so lucky to have some of these players we've got at the minute. It's, it, there is no reason that, like, it sounds so funny to use this hyperbole after how we felt the other week. And I know we talked about this in the last pod. There's no reason we finish this season strong. Like, I just think with some of these players, the sky is the limit. O'Connell's won. He needs to be in that next England squad. These performances against... The, it's not doing this against Norwich and... Um, it's not doing against Norwich and Bournemouth. No disrespect to Norwich and Bournemouth. He's doing it against Chelsea, who before play... Well, they're up wherever they are now, but they're in the top four. Wolves have been one of the strongest sides in the division for for the full season. And O'Connell is just imposing himself on these. Again, imposing himself in a game where he's dealing with Traore. Imposing himself in a game where he's dealing with Willian, who's probably the most informed attacking player in the league after Danny you saw, you saw nothing of Willian on Saturday. Nothing no. at all. He came across it last minute to take a free kick. And it looked unbelievably disconsolate it looked like it's someone who just played 90 minutes and just thought I've not had a kick here 
I, I yeah. really enjoyed this. I mean, it was interesting because he, he didn't have a game. Abraham was quiet. The one danger man they had, and this is where I think it shows the difference of experience of Wilder over Lampard. The best, most threatening Chelsea player, I thought, was Pulisic. He then switches him at the start of the second half. He's lost from the game and subs him. And I think until they then started going a little bit more direct to Giroud a couple of times, there was no threat from Chelsea. And he'd, we'd, 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 he'd run out of ideas and he'd actually wasted his most dangerous player to the point he was nullified and they were screwed. And that's I'm still not having Lampard as a, as a top flight manager. He might, don't wrong, he might, he might make a very good manager, but at the minute, I mean, he's got Chelsea to, where are they, fourth, fifth, whatever they are. That's, surely that's, that's minimum expectations with that squad they've got there. You should be able to put most championship managers in there and they would get Chelsea to a top six finish. So he's They're not a better side than three quarters of that, that division, exactly. just with the players they've got. Exactly. I'd, I'd back us four as a management team. It'd be quite interesting, the arguments we'd have, but to be able to get Chelsea into the Champions League spot. And also, they've already bought him arguably the best young striker in Europe ready for next season. And if you get Havertz as well, like they get and, and, um, and ZH from um, from Ajax as well. Yeah, they've got some quality coming in. But it's it's very it's very interesting, isn't it, with Lampard? Because I think I did think he spoke quite well after the game. Put it in context of the season that most of the time they've not performed like that. But then at the same time, like we talked about this when we played Derby last season, Wilder has his number, and he has has his num had has had his number when they played in the past. Now. I know we lost at Derby due to like a free curly goal when we played them last season. I just found out Southampton have gone one nil up against Man United. So all of you put Mason Greenwood in your fantasy football team as captain like me. Oh, I've given up on that. Um, <laughs> I've lost an But it, Wilder has Lampard's number, it comes down to that experience. And often I've criticised Wilder's in-game management. But when he... But it, what he wouldn't do is anything as rash as that, like Ian, like you say, like, oh, he's playing well, but so we'll shove him on the other side of the pitch. Now, I don't think any of us four would make that decision, would we, if we were managing yeah. a club? No. I, I think, um, obviously, there's lots of players take lots of plaudits after Saturday, but it was a tactical masterclass yeah. by us, by Wilder and by Neil, and the way that he set the team up, the way that he just let them have the ball, and I just, it, we got everything right, didn't we? Everything. Yeah. That's, that's two on the bounce then because obviously like we spoke about the other day how, he, how well he played Traore mm, yeah. he had, he had the, the idea to right let's not get tight on him but he described it as playing loose on him so that's twice and this is and these, like I said this is not he's not outwitting um, uh, Gary Monk here you know he's outwitting Good top money. level yeah top level managers and that's regardless of whether we think Lampard is good enough to be at Chelsea or not. These are players that are in charge of the biggest club. Their managers are well, in charge Chelsea of think he's good enough to be their manager, so you know you've got to take that face. They could they could have the pick of who they want. They chose and, Lampard, and it's you know. it's it, it, it's really testament to him. And I, I'll be fascinated, and we'll get on to the game what he decides to do on Thursday, especially with well who who they're going to have missing and things like that. 
we've got to remember Leicester at home was a, a game we lost only marginally and it was a it was a really good game of football. But you go through go through that team like you say. And we talked about the midfield being crucial. Now there's no coincidence that Chelsea had all that possession when Jorginho and Barkley were happy to pass the ball to each other and then back to the centre backs. And McBurney and McGoldrick chased them down a little bit, but they had no desire to like transition the ball forward. You've got James on one side who I've always been really impressed with, particularly when he was at Wigan, thinking he was a proper footballer. He, de- he wasn't able to get out. And then on the left, who actually played left back? We asked Billy Quetta. Who was. As for the Quetta, they, they had a bit of joy when, when Alonso came on, didn't they? They got a little bit more joy when he came on. And they, they started to look a little bit more threatening. Yeah. He had a couple of chances down left and a couple of chances to put crosses in, but nothing. We were never. We were never hanging on, were we? There was never a point where you're thinking, shit, if they get one here, we're in trouble. You, you were never... I mean, you know, Henderson made a couple, of, a couple of steady saves, but we were never... We never looked threatened. We never looked like we were, we were really having to, to work hard to hang in there. And, and I always fancied us at 2-0 to, to nick one. The more they started pushing forward, you know, we always fancied, especially when, once Moose comes on, you always fancy us to, to, to possibly nick a third, and, and that's obviously what happened. Two, two people you got you just mentioned there that we've got to talk about. Henderson's header. Got to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, I mean, that's a proper towering defensive header, that, isn't it? Brilliant. Yeah. It, it's just, it, it's the latest in a series of things he does, which are fucking bonkers. He had to do you it. Love, the right they just make you love him more. But, you yeah. in. You wouldn't imagine Simon Moore doing that, for example, would you? <laughs> no. Or, or many goalkeepers. You well, Jamal Blackman would have probably come out, caught it, fallen over, injured one of his own players, <laughs> and dropped the ball outside the box. Wouldn't that, that, were kind of his, um, that were kind of his MO when he was with us. There's every chance. Uh, and the other one we've got to mention, Moussa's got to score that, and he? I think oh. he does 99 times out of 100. The chip's the right thing to do. Yeah, he's gone with the right option just to dink it. He's just got his angle slightly wrong. But then... I'd say in those situations, I'd have him down as as good a finisher as anyone we've got. He scored harder chances. The one at Everton across Pickford comes to mind instantly, not to mention the one at West Ham. Damn, yeah, I was going to say West Ham as well. And the, and the Wolves one, where he basically has, he cushions it mid-air into the bottom corner, or much like that, or just smack it. <laughs> You know, he's got long enough to belt that in. Coming on a sub, I think he's been a really, really good option because we've been obviously Burnley. We were chasing the game. Wolves, we were, we were, we were trying to get back into it. But Spurs and um, did he start against Spurs or did he come on? Monday. Come on. He's looked like a really good option from the bench. You know, you, 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 you know, you're one nil up, you're two nil up. They're pushing on. He's, he's suddenly a really good option to throw up there because he's, he's quick and he's strong and he's awkward. Um, I've said all season I'm a, I'm a massive fan and I think he's I, I, I'm so desperate for him to, to get it right and get himself right because I think like I keep saying we've got a right player on his hands if we do we, we need him in some sort of uh, accommodation where his meals are provided and uh, nutritionist is uh, in house or something you know what's your farm food that's the way forward <laughs> but I don't that sheltered accommodation where meals on wheels come wheels <laughs> But I generally as well think he's probably going to help Moussa, Zivkovic, Sharp to know, right, next three games, there's only two lads who are starting with, with that performance on Saturday. I think that Bernie's earned the right with his performances before that. He would, he would blow in against Wolves, but 
who was it who said he would have played 28 games in 26 days or something like that? 24 days. United have played eight games in 24 days. That's insane. So you like Sir McBurney who started all them and obviously, well, most of the side, Egan, Stevens, Bulldog, Bash, ridiculous. And third one, Phil, to mention actually, come to think of it now, I've just said Bash, is the Jags block at the end was just phenomenal. Yeah. What a challenge that is, just stopping the ball dead like that, cool as you like. So did, was Bash, did Bash, has he actually been confirmed as concussion or did he just get a whack on Ed? I, I think he, they said he was seen double at the time. Right. And then after the game, he's put a message on Instagram saying, I'm fine, don't worry about me, everything's okay. Yeah. I would imagine if, well, if he's concussed, he's missed concussed missed seven days, isn't it? So then Egan had to, didn't he? I don't know what game it was, but Egan had yeah. to miss again last season. If, he, if he's actually been confirmed as concussion, he, he has to miss Leicester. Right. We'll have, to, we'll have to see then. I mean, there's not much in there to hurt, is the blessing? But like, um... <laughs> sure, can I mean, game with Jagielka at right wing back against Vardy. Against Vardy, that, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Would you Maybe. bring Rodwell in? I think I'd go with that. Forget any centre half. <laughs> yeah, but but as I say, but would you put Rodwell in? Even though if if Basham wasn't able Maybe. to play, is Rodwell I'd, more athletic? I'd go Jags. I just think maybe you have to back Jags to use his experience. You know, he, he gets in a foot race with Vardy, he's screwed. But if he can, you know, if he can use the experience and read the game and, you know, just just defend him out of it, use him timing and positioning, then maybe he's yeah. I mean, let's be fair. Most people in a, in a foot race with Jamie Vardy are going to struggle, aren't they? There's not many centre halves if if you put him in a you know a straight 40, 50 yard foot race with him, are going to be able to keep up with him. So he knows that. Well, that's why he's the one of, if not the most prolific striker of the country this year in the league. You know, he, like he is, he he's Vardy's quality, and and we will have to stop him. And I think that's a nice segue into the next session, uh, section where we'll talk about the Leicester game. So uh, nicely segued at the end of that first section there, we're going to talk a little bit about our next game, which uh, feels like it's a long way away at the moment, actually. Not until Thursday, we're we're playing Leicester City away, but a bit to avenge after they beat us at Bramall Lane earlier on in the season and and a certain Mr Vardy to stop. So how do we reckon we'll do this week? I I fancy us again. I must admit, having, having seen how well we've played last four games, Four games, five games, if we include Arsenal as a, as a better performance. Uh, and having caught the tail end of, of Leicester last night, granted we're down to 10 men, but I think the wheels seem to have come off down there. Um, and I've, I've always kind of thought with Brendan Rodgers, when things are going well, he's a good manager. I'm not sure he knows how to arrest a slide because um, he's never really experienced one wherever he's been. So I fancy us. I, I, I definitely think I'm, def, I'm definitely going there thinking we can get something I think I saw a start a couple of weeks ago the first 15 games of the season they'd got something like 30, 33 points or something and then the following 15 games they'd got like 12 mm. they'd properly dropped off a cliff yeah yeah I think if you put them since January I think they'd be 14th or 15th I saw in yeah. the form table with the form since January um, I, I have to admit I didn't 
I missed the, the home game. So I only heard and saw the highlights and the outcry over, you know, the, the handball and everything else. But for me, I think it's winnable. I think you, you, you risk a backlash, but I'm not sure if Leicester got a backlash in him at the minute. You know, the form is not great full stop. That, that defeat isn't a one-off defeat, is it? Where they, you know, you say well, they're going to bounce back and show us that this—that's just a culmination of a, an awful run of form. So I think us going in with a bit of confidence, while ever they've got a player like Vardy, if they uh, Tielemans are, are really right in in the middle of the park, if the Harvey Barnes, he, he was on the bench yesterday, but again, there's a player there. Madison's yeah, playing. yeah, Madison's still playing. I'm not sure about the kid who ran it at Bramall Lane and he did boss the game was that Chowdhury and I don't think he's been playing no, he's not playing at the minute Chowdhury was on the bench Madison didn't play last night Madison really? was even on the bench so I mean you know they've got players yeah absolutely but we say this every week don't we we're facing teams with players who on their day could rip us rip us apart in one, one in swift move who will come in to replace Sancho I'm hoping Wes Morgan I'm desperately hoping it's Wes Morgan because Wes Morgan was... They'll love a physical battle with Oli McBurney, won't he? That is his game. If you play in, if it's Wes Morgan, then I'd play Moussa. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, looking at their bench, you'd say it was going to be Morgan. Looking who was on the bench of the nine. Um, obviously, at that point, they didn't, didn't worry about... <laughs> bringing on a cover for Sunshu because you're chasing the game a bit but you know I you know I just I just think there's there's a team there whose confidence is low who when I look down that 11 their 11 looks weaker than it did at the start of the season you know at the start of the season when they were flying you know you got Madison in there Barnes was getting you know some appearances um, Dennis Pratt was coming into the midfield Chowdhury was interchanging in and out of the team it, it just doesn't look as strong. It's a good side, but doesn't look anywhere near as worrying as it would have been if we'd played them three, four months ago. I mean, when we lost to them, we lost to an error and a world day, didn't we? So yeah. we, Bash made an error, which which obviously allowed a big gap for Vardy to run through. And Harvey Barnes scored that absolute world day. And we were still very much finding our feet then. We, we, yeah. we certainly weren't. We certainly weren't what we are now, and we, we weren't even what we were by the time we played Man United and stuff like that. So, we're probably a better side now than we were when we played them, and they're probably worse sides. Maybe the wrong way to put it, but they're 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 out of form compared to what, what they were when we played them. So, like I said, I'm I'm confident we can get something. I think the game might be a bit harder than 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 some of you have said there, uh, just because I'm not one that fears the wounded animal. Um, but I just think there are some very good players in that. So I think Mbibi is a phenomenal player in Tielemans. Um, it won't be a tough game, but I still think we can get something. When, when did they switch to wing-backs? Because I think if that Justin's, that Justin looks quite quite good for a young lad. Obviously, if they had Ricardo... He's he's a phenomenal player. He's as good as anyone at right back in the league. I put him up there with Chen and everybody. But like, I think I think if you play an old right in right wing back, I think we can get at them in the wide areas. Um, and Fuchs obviously is not as good as Chilwell is he, as, as as we just touched on. I'm with you. I think we can win the game. I just think we need to 
we'll have to sit. I think we need to play it a bit like we'll sit deep and and try and pick them off rather than we go and attack them. I don't know. I think that's where we could run into problems. They, they play on the break, don't they? That's their game. They drag you out. So it would be quite interesting to see how we do play it because both teams can't sit. That would be dull as fuck, wouldn't it? <laughs> If Letizia thought the uh, Wolves game was still as fuck, what's he going to make of that? (laughs) But no, you're right. I mean, uh, it'd be interesting. Obviously, we've got a four-day gap, four-and-a-half-day gap between matches, in effect. Um, To my mind, that means he doesn't need to make any changes unless, like you say, like we said in the last part, unless Basham has had a concussion and, and can't play on that basis. I can't see him making changes. Obviously, it's a bit of a quicker turnaround then to the to the Everton game. But what do you guys think? Would you would you can you foresee any changes? You Just, point about Musa is an interesting one. For I don't think he'd drop either strikers having scored at the weekend. I think that'd be. I think it'd be really harsh, to drop him, but it just purely from a tactical point of view. If where's Morgan's? I think playing. he's more likely to if, if he thinks Morgan's going to start. He's possibly more likely to let McBurney soften him up for an hour. And, and then like bring either him or, or uh, Zivkovic on for the last half hour when he's you know when he's really starting to tell. Yeah. In fact, bring bring the pair of them on for the last half hour. Yeah. That could, yeah, that could Johnny, be really. Like Johnny Evans is not quick either, is he? No. He's not rapid, is he? So. No. Um, so no, I, I don't see any changes. And again, like we said before, the five sub rule means that if players are a little bit you know need a little bit more than than they should do. He can actually, you know, he can give him a bit longer because he knows he's got more options on the bench, and the bench is obviously getting a bit stronger with every game now. Yeah, you think I'd like to think maybe Fleck might be on the bench. Back onto the bench, yeah, exactly. But having said that, you say we midweek, you know, Lundstrom came on solid again, just did what he needed to do. You know, you like you say, just having these extra ones dropping in every week, we've got options. We can, we can. Someone who's is having a quiet game or is looking tired. We, we could, we've got the options to switch most positions now. We've well, we're Fleck away from being full strength, aren't we? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Whereas, yeah. whereas they've got no Ricardo, no Chilwell, uh, no Pratt, no Sonchu. They're like four that are going to push that well, first. Potentially no Madison as well, like I say. Yeah, well, Madison, Madison's 50-50 apparently. Yeah. He's a bit Lamar. Um, sorry. That's terrible. Maybe that's why... I mean, I, I quite like Jose Perez as a player, but I wouldn't say that he's... He doesn't strike the fear of God into me. He's always somebody who, when he was at Newcastle, I thought did really well. I thought it was a very unusual signing. I wonder what... Um, wonder if they don't get the Champions League, Leicester, what the, what the sort of pressure that will be put on Rodgers is. Because I think they obviously... Dare I say that they maybe overachieved a little bit at the start of the season? I think people thought they'd be strong, but not necessarily Champions League. I know it's probably been held by the fact Spurs have been inconsistent, Arsenal have been inconsistent, Chelsea have been inconsistent, Manu have been inconsistent. But like, I wonder if they're like, is there been a change in expectations at Leicester based on you know, like you said, Phil, the fantastic form they had at the start of the season to now, and what what will happen if we manage to go and upset them? Haven't they got to play? Some of the teams around the top of the league before the end of the season. They've got well. Spurs to play on there. Is it Spurs or Man U? Not sure. I'm not sure who they've got. I hope it's both. I, I think if they finish... It might be both, actually. It might be Spurs and Man U thinking about it. 
if they if they finish you know fifth or sixth or, or seventh and finish in a, a you know a UEFA Cup spot, I would imagine that's probably about what they were expecting at the beginning of the season. I, I think Champions League was probably over and above where the, the expectations would have been. So they're probably they're probably about par fifth, sixth, seventh for, for where they'd expect to be. I mean, I'm not not discounting Southampton, who obviously have been in, in, in good form, and Ings obviously on fire at the minute. But we've got Everton, who were pretty well. They look on the beach, don't they? Look on the beach. We've got Southampton to play it. And if we, can, if we can pick something up against Leicester and move just behind them, with them having to play Spurs and Man U, because that's who they've got, um, we could finish above them. Yeah. Now, if you'd have said at the start of the season, regardless of how less the start of the season, if you said, well, if we'd have said if we'd have finished 16, 17th, you'd, you'd, you'd take it. But if we said at the start of the season, you're going to finish above Leicester. Especially the way they started. Like you said, six or seven games in, they were flying. Yeah. Yeah. They were talking about, you know, possibly another title challenge and stuff like that. And, it, and yeah, a lot of teams have been inconsistent at the top of that table. But it's when you look... Um, the stats of the of the league table when we've lost fair enough they've got a, um, we've lost as many games as Man City mm. you know Leicester have lost more games than us Chelsea have lost more games than us Tottenham have lost more games than us and Arsenal have lost more games than us sorry Arsenal's lost as many as us sorry it, you know we, we can talk about inconsistency but actually we're up there, you know. We're up there on merit, and teams like Leicester have had an awful run, but they're still they're still clinging in there. Um, no, you know, Liverpool aside and City to a point, but everyone else is 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 much of a muchness. Just just playing devil's advocate here. So obviously we're talking. I know obviously Tufty's sounds like he's shut down all talk of Europe, and I know you can't turn these things down when they happen because football doesn't work like that. But is Europe? a good thing for us next season or would it be something that we'd rather have maybe another season consolidating obviously we saw what it did to Burnley last season with a fairly thin squad could we cope with Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday trips to Karabag and Kazakhstan I think the difference Dan with us and Burnley would be the quality of player we were able to attract if we managed to get in Europe and how we'd use the money. Now, if you look at Burnley's recruitment, have they ever spent as much as we did on Berger? I don't know how much they spent on Rodwick Viguez when they bought him back. For 15 million, I think, didn't they? <laughs> 15 for Wood. Yeah. Rodriguez, when they got him from Brom this summer, I can't remember, but it, it, I don't That's think it... Bro- hear that. No. So, so you've got... The, the, There's the fact that we're already spending more than that. And I just, I think a lot of people across Europe, like, so players of Burgers ilk who maybe aren't quite at the level of being Man U, City, Liverpool, looking at them, like top young players whose agents might think a bit more logically, can end up with some incredibly talented young players going and saying, I'd like to go and play. If I'm moving to England, I'd be interested in moving to Sheffield United and I appreciate I won't get paid as much, but... I think it'd be very exciting for the football club. I think it'd be amazing for the fan base, even though we probably won't be able to bloody experience it. Uh, and I just think it it just it's putting a flag down, like we've long since talked about, that 
Phil's point he always makes, and I couldn't agree with it more, of just slowly but surely Wilder will, bit by bit, erase all these perceived things Wednesday have over us, and that would just be the first one. And then I think he'd genuinely go after a domestic cup next season as well. I, I, I probably I do agree with you. I was just like I say, it was just just a question really, just to see what if anyone thought it could possibly be a well, bit I, and possibly set our development back a bit. I think my, my, my kind of when you asked the question, my first thought. Sorry, Ian, my, my first thought was look at how we've done since since finding our feet since the restart and eight eight games in twenty four days, a game every three days. We seem to be getting better. And yeah. whether we could do that over a season, that's a different yeah. matter. But the, the the amount of games, I think we'd be fine with it. But that's know. about strengthening your squad, isn't it? For the players who can come off the bench and you can use more frequently, as we are now. I'd, I'd say more about Europe, but um, I'd get a bollock and Chris Wilder just crashed into my DM saying, hey, you're talking about Europe on the pod. <laughs> Crash, crashed into my DMs. <laughs> Whoa, lads! Whoa, lads! Whoa, whoa, whoa! Uh, but in all seriousness, I think you just like you say, Dan. You can't, you can't make that decision in football, can you? You've got to just go with it and um, take it when it comes, don't you? And and it'd be it'd be something to look forward to, and especially if we're able to get to a game. My word, I feel sorry for whatever city we'd be descending on because. <laughs> If I were able to get there, we'd get a right kick, I'm telling you. Bruise, bruise your way in half term. Jesus. I'm there thinking about Where's it. Where's John? He's got to live with monks. He's brewing Trappist beer now. But in all seriousness, predictions for Thursday then. 2-1 United. 3-2 United. 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 What was that, Dan? 3-2 United. Uh, well, I, I'm I'm going to go with the pessimistic side again, seeing as it worked so well last week. I'm going to say it'll be a draw. I'm going to say score draw two two. I think we just made. I think they'll just have a bit bit too much for us to live with sometimes attacking wise. I think we will score. I, I, I really do. So, and I think a draw is a great result there as well. Oh, by the way, yeah, yeah definitely. Point now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Keep this run going. Keep us in there. How how do you see the three two playing out, Dan? Because that sounds like it's going to make my hair go very grey. Uh, three one up. What do you mean go? Three one up. They pull one back in eightieth minute. We're all on. Uh, we're on. We're like a cat on hot bricks for the last twelve minutes. <laughs> okay. So everyone, I have got grey hair. Ian has also got grey hair. Has just mocked me about having grey hair. <laughs> and on that note. We've got a very special Hall of Fame section for a very, very special boy. Knee trainers, John. What these? No, mate, I've had them for years. Just got them back from being clean. Look really good, don't they? Yeah, really? Is that a thing? Honestly, they look new, mate. They look class. Yeah, it's a thing. Really reasonable too. Adam Dunn at this place called Glistening Kicks. They're in Sheffield. Fellas are blade too. Oh, nice one. That saves buying new ones, doesn't it? How do I find them? I've got a few pairs need looking at myself. Absolutely. Save, save me someone who's got a bit of a trader for headship. An absolute fortune. You can get them on social media like most things these days. They're on Twitter at Glistening Kicks and Instagram at Glistening underscore Kicks. Or they have a website, www 
christinkicks.co.uk. Give them a shout. The process is dead easy. They collect them safely and then drop them back off with you. And if you take them round yourself, that process could be even quicker. Um, they look, feel and smell like new. And it's I'm, I'm absolutely chuffed and I'm already looking at what pairs I'm going to take down um, next to have him look out for us. Nice one. Cheers for that. I'm going to get on to them straight away. What was their Insta again? At glistening underscore kicks. That's the one. Really good service and I couldn't recommend it enough to any blades. Brilliant. Nice one. All the blades. Welcome back to part three, the infamous Hall of Fame. Um, I managed to win last week by shouting out to the Brothers in Arms over at Blades Pod. Congratulations for their almost relentless work ethic uh, throughout COVID and lockdown and, and just providing content after content and 45% of you agreed with me. So well done again, lads. It's superb. Now what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to change the Hall of Fame up tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about one one man, and we jokingly said it's a very special Hall of Fame for a very special boy. And we're going to talk about David McGoldrick. Now, first and foremost, uh, we will have all seen on social media over the weekend some of the actions towards uh, professional footballers, such as Wilfred Zahar, and then obviously our very own David McGoldrick with a disgusting uh, racist vitriol that was directed towards them, and particularly McGoldrick. Um, now, we as a podcast, and it goes without saying, stand with the movement we've seen tonight on Twitter from Den Blades, uh, have started Blades Against Racism. There's a fantastic piece of writing called Race, that's titled Racism is Every Fan's Problem, and they're trying to really start a movement against such things happening. Now, I tweeted myself last night that anyone who creates a profile and actually goes to racially abuse someone and then deletes it is just a coward. It's calculated, it's heinous, it's vile, and it's nothing to do with a game we all love. Now, there's lots of lots of things we could talk about with this, but rather than dwell on those horrendous actions, us four have a United Front against racism being involved with Sheffield United. We are not a racist club. We can we do not believe that is there's a place for that in football at any level let alone around our club. So we hope the uh, individuals responsible for sending McGoldrick those messages and indeed anyone who feels the need to send any footballer or anyone of colour such an horrendous message should be dealt with um, appropriately. But instead of dwelling on that, let's talk about what an amazing player David McGoldrick is and what he's done for this football club over the last two years. He, he kind of he's the kind of player who I struggle for superlatives with because like you say anyone outside United anyone outside of when he plays for Republic of Ireland as well because I mean he he took a while to get that his first goal for Ireland last September and they were saying again if ever a player deserved that goal it was him at the time uh, when they equalised against Switzerland it's a very similar feeling for us it, he just contributes so much to who we are as a club, how we play as a club and the type of people you want in your football club. 
he's he's one of those players who over the years you've seen players play down at lane for opposing teams and you've thought I'd have him down here we me and Phil have said same for for years about Leon Clark and you know I think I've said same about James Hansen and stuff like that. and when we signed him I thought that's yeah, so I'm happy with that decent signing decent championship forward never I never had any idea he was as good as he is it was as good a football as he is and I've said I've said on here and I've said on Twitter he's the best forward I've ever seen down at United um, I don't mean striker obviously I've seen better strikers in you know talking Brian Dean James Beattie but in terms of a complete forward he's as good a, he's as good a forward as I've ever seen at United I think yeah I, I, the point you're making there about his abilities isn't it I, yeah. I, I'm struggling I, I, I first went to, to watch United in about 1983 I think something like that I can't ever remember seeing a more technically gifted player for United Hodges is the only one I can think of that comes close yeah Hodges had a similar kind of ability didn't he and, yeah. um, but the, the way I describe it I've described it on here before when McGoldrick's got the ball the game slows down yeah. and it, he's got an uncanny knack he, it doesn't matter where he receives the ball he, he creates space for himself almost instantly and it's just he's a joy he's an absolute joy to watch Take 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 the uh, the chance for um, the chance for Moussa on Saturday when he put him through where he yeah. wins the ball he challenges for a header there's only one person wanting that ball at that stage in the game wins the ball brings it forward and release and it's it's like you say he creates the time he creates the space he does he makes difficult things look simple and the simple things just happen. As a matter of course, and like you say, it's that it's is it, that technically gifted. It's not just the speed of his feet because he's you know he's not actually a speedy player, but it's the speed of his brain and where it takes him. I mean, even for even for his second goal on Saturday, you know, the ball comes out, and he takes it down his chest. You know, he could have just tried to he could have just tried to nod that forward to Moose or he could have, but he's got the presence of mind to bring it down, buy himself a second, roll Moose in. And he's not then, it's not that he just goes hair into the box and, and he's, he's fighting for a ball six yards out. He's got that presence of mind just to, just trying back for a, you know, a second or two, just a yard. Because if he goes into the six yard box, he's in a straight fight with Zuma or someone and it probably gets, you know, it probably gets cleared out. But he just, he sits off for a second and he's there just to sweep that, that second ball in. And it's just, it's like Phil says, he, he, the game slows down and he, he buys himself a second. And those, you don't see many players like that and not in that role. A, a lot of the time when you see players like that, they're like a, they're a Gordon Cowens or an Ollie Norwood. They're a central midfielder who buys yeah. himself a second or two in the middle of the park. There aren't that many forwards who play the way he does. I, you know, I'm thinking Teddy Sheringham, Firmino, he's, he's in that kind of... That Ber- kind of Berbatov... Yeah. As well, um, yeah. I still remember when he signed. He, well, he had his trial um, away at Bradford pre-season friendly, and I remember driving up, watching the game, and he was. I was like, he really does love to drop. He could maybe play as the ten, and he had a really good game that night. And he's blowing out his arse after about fifty minutes. And I always I said, I can't remember who I was with. I think I was with Macca, friend of the pod, and I said, only Paul with McGoldrick is he's made of glass. He's gonna. He's going to get injured all the time. And then it all came out that obviously 
Wilder had spoke to Mick McCarthy and it turns out he's been commuting from Nottingham to Ipswich. Now, we've all probably done that drive to Ipswich and if you've done it once, you don't ever want to do it again. It's absolutely rough doing that four or five times a week. Um, he is as well, there's just, there's an aura about him in a weird way, whereas, so you say an aura about a player, you think about your cantinars, like your larger-than-life characters. Within our club, in our dressing room, and the reaction to um, him scoring the goals, as we touched on earlier, the reaction in the press from likes of Wilder and, and teammates and stuff, it's, there's just something about the Goldrick and Sheffield United, which in this last two years have meshed together so per- perfectly. And it was one of those, like when we all talked about who should have got player of the season last year, I personally didn't say McGoldrick. I thought it should have been Stevens or Egan. But then it wasn't a case of when when that happened that it, you know, it like anyone resented it. It was like, oh yeah, if you think about it, fifteen goals, free transfer was considered a crop, not good enough, was resigned to play in League One or two. And he was one of the most important players in that side and making our system work. And now I just I just wish he was about twenty four. That's the only thing. A couple of weeks ago, didn't I? I think it's Wilder's next big masterstroke is going to be replacing him. And I don't know how the hell he does it because it's either going to cost us a hell of a lot of money or he's going to pick up a coup from somewhere out of nowhere. But at the minute, with his level of fitness and speed of thought, you could see him playing on for another another season, another season and a half, potentially. Yeah, another season as a, as a regular. Yeah. 20-odd, you know, 30-odd games a season with another season after that, flitting in and out of the side... With like I said, with a younger model or a replacement kind of coming in there, so you, you would hope you've got two seasons out of him as a as a regular. It was twenty twenty two the extension, wasn't it? Yeah, he's got two years. Yeah. Two years. yeah. So, and I think I think is another thing to bear in mind is there's there's not many players who've got the standing they've got at United having missed a penalty in a Steel City derby. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's you know he, that in some ways, could have really impacted him as a player if he didn't have a degree of maturity. You know, he's, like I said, Quintin, you'd expect him to have a bit more of a steady head on him, but something like that in that kind of game, which, you know, could have been make or break in the season in a game that we struggled to create, you know, we, did, we didn't really, you know, true nil-nil, didn't we? But, you know, that kind of, that kind of impact on a player can be huge. And from the fans' perception of that player as well. But you never hit. Which favourite McGoldrick Golf United? Derby. The Derby one. Didn't he score the second when we beat Brentford? 2 0. Header. Nah, yeah, I'd say that one because we were. I remember that was on during lockdown and we got absolutely done in that game and we couldn't get out. I don't know how we managed to win it, but we ended up in eight. He scored the goal. He's, he scored some great goals for United. I think winner away at Millwall. That were a good one as well. Yeah. Celebrated that pretty hard. <sighs> we did. <laughs> <laughs> we. Yeah, I'm with Phil. The, the Derby one. The, yeah. the, 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 the chip. Yeah. yeah. That uh, the the one away at Millwall. That oh, and obviously that was on Saturday. Okay, if he scores tappings uh, for for best of his time with us that. Uh, it's brilliant. You could see as well that how, 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 like you said earlier on with O'Connell, when he scored that first goal, all his teammates, you can see they're all made up for him. They're all absolutely delighted for him. And as well, especially like if you see some of the um, comments from like Moose uh, on 
and not Moose Egg, since he, don't know, he puts like crazy pirate flags up. I don't really quite know what that's all about. But McBurney clearly adores him. And there were a time this season when the goal was starting and McBurney wasn't. And there's no like strikers, obviously. It's a, I don't think it's quite like the Keepers Union, is it? I think there's a little bit more competition between them. But you can tell there's just that absolute love and respect. And obviously, uh, we lost a World Cup winner on Saturday. You used to manage Ireland. It was all like, there were lots of things at play that just made it like that little. So I was speaking to my uh, Irish colleague today, and he was like, he was made up that an, an Irishman had scored on the day that we'd lost Mr. Charlton. And it, it, he's just, the Goldwick's just a very, very special player. And the way Wilder spoke about him saying he can't remember a player who was as popular at this club for a very long time. I think that's a bit unfair on the others that you couldn't slag up, like you won't find other people slagging off because there's about nine or ten. Well, there's much more in, in the club, even the ones who aren't playing. Like, won't get many Blaze fans like slagging off likes Kieran Freeman. But the Goldrick, in 10, 15, 20 years, when you look back at this period and, and when we played games like when we beat, and it will be a case of saying when we beat Chelsea 3 0, and it'll seem like a lifetime ago, and it'll be players like McGoldrick that we remember. And it is because he scored the goal, but it is because he's just a bloody joy to watch. The, the the other thing you, you talk about him leaving his mark and being remembered, the the players taking a knee at the start of the the games at the moment, coming from him, he organised, he made that happen, and I don't know how long they're going to continue it for. It's irrelevant how long they keep doing it, but people will remember it for Absolutely. a long, long time. And that's all come from him. It's all come from him wanting that to happen, and it's that's why hearing hearing and seeing the news last night and. It has existed in football for a very long time. And maybe there's a bit of, I certainly feel that um, the fact that now it's happened to one of our players, that it's probably hit home a bit more, the touch. Uh, obviously, I was, I'm was i all for the uh, the Black Lives Matter movement uh, in be raising awareness about this. And as a white man, I do not understand racism like a black man does, but I want to show my solidarity and support, and we all do. And that's not why we've put McGoldrick solely in the Hall of Fame. It is a contributing reason, reason, but it's because we all absolutely love him and we love him playing for our football club. And I hope that's found its way back to him today, because obviously he's, he's posted that obviously on, on Instagram and, and obviously that's found its way to Twitter as well. And I hope I hope that, that kind of outpouring of, of love from United fans has found its way back to him. And I know one doesn't counteract the other. That that doesn't suddenly make the, you know, that's not going to suddenly make him feel better about being racially abused. But I'm hoping that goes somewhere towards realising that, you know, 99.9% of reasonable human beings just see him for what he is which is a a wonderfully talented footballer who we're all getting so much pleasure out of watching and that's it Dan I couldn't agree more and hopefully it does the club have come out there's an article in the star somebody's wrote tonight which I think is quite quite telling it's Sam um, from the Blades isn't it it's written yeah. uh, and, and I just think it's as a football club we have an opportunity when we've got such an advocate for the very pressing issue of the day in terms of racism in society, but racism in football. We've got somebody who, like you say, Phil, started the whole process of taking the need to show solidarity amongst players and their individuals on the pitch as part of our club. The club needs to rally behind him. We as fans need to rally behind him. And 
we need to really have a long, hard look at the game and make sure that this isn't just a fad, this isn't just a phase, and we, we make some steps towards completely eradicating it so that 12-year-olds don't feel the need to wake up on a Saturday morning and send racist images to professional footballers. Because when you hear about that in the news, the problem goes a lot beyond football, doesn't it? But Absolutely. David McGoldrick, what a footballer. What a man. And what a man. What man did. Let's hope, and let's hope he adds a few more goals to that tally at Leicester on, uh, on Thursday when my hair turns grey, when Dan's 3-2 prediction comes in. <laughs> yeah, he's getting the third. I'll, t- I'll tell you that now. He's, he's, he's getting the third. Berger, Osborne, Berger, Osborne, McGoldrick. There you go. Wilder the Alchemist and Mystic Dan. <laughs> Anybody wants to draw Mystic Dan for us this week? Who, uh, who was it? Who, who was it? Who, uh, who drew the Alchemist for us? By the way, we need to give them a shout out. We uh, obviously in the last one second, I'll tell you. In the last podcast, it was Steve, Steve, uh, Steve Jones, Jones at Jones thirteen oh two. At Jones thirteen oh two. Um, obviously, Dan described Wilder as a strange alchemist, and uh, he's drawn as a fantastic picture. You can see it on our Twitter. Um, absolutely fantastic. We appreciate any listeners getting in touch, and uh, yeah, so. Hope you enjoy a slightly longer break before the next game. It seems like a bit of a rare treat, like Phil said earlier, four or five days. We could actually think about it a bit and gives us time to miss it. But um, really, really enjoyed the game on Saturday and I'm very excited for Thursday. And it's really good to talk about McGoldrick, like we say, in such a in positive life after some horrendous news coming out about him like yesterday evening. So I think we can agree, boys. We'll end on that one and uh, a big up the blades. Hold the blades. Hold the blades. Hold the blades.